Welcome everybody to the Extra Credit Show. I am Anselmo Moreno. And I'm Richard David. And we are back again with another podcast this week to help everybody master their credit score so you guys can get the extra credit that you deserve. Richard, how are you? I'm doing good. Welcome back to another week, another Extra Credit Show. Guys, we are so excited about this week's episode. You know, we try to deliver incredible value to you guys. And I noticed that there was a glaring omission in our list of episodes, and that is... Handling identity theft, especially in a data breach world, really, that we're living in, you know, it's 2018, data breaches are very, very common, and uh, we're still kind of on the on the cusp of probably the biggest data breach that has happened so far to date, which is the Equifax data breach. It's one of the most serious, most severe data breaches, and we wanted to bring you guys some value and some context on the data breaches because... You know, the Equifax data breach it was not the first data breach. No, not even close. They've been going on for years. And uh, it's not going to be the last. Uh, there was some afterwards. Uh, we were just discussing the, the Uber data breach. Right, right. And so I got to thinking, you know, really in the history of data breaches, uh, how far back does it go? So a little quick search um, essentially states that the first data breach that happened was the AOL data breach allegedly in 2004 and what was compromised was 92 million people still use AOL well this this data breach was in 04 oh okay okay so okay. it was a uh, 92 million emails were compromised and essentially it was an inside job someone within AOL sold the list of emails to somebody that would then send spam emails and ever since then they've been documenting data breaches and it's just tons of data breaches but what, from what I can recall, the first real data breach that I remember that kind of caught national attention, it was in the news a cycle for many days, maybe even weeks, was the uh, Target data breach. Oh, yes, yes. And that Target data breach was, from what I recall, the, the first one that got a lot of play. And what that one was, essentially, everybody who shopped at Target was a potential victim of their information being compromised. And... And I remember um, like thinking about why, why is this such a big deal? Why are people so upset about it? Um, because well, credit card numbers, right? It, it, like it wasn't that bad um, from our perspective, from sure. a credit consultant sure. perspective. Um, but that was in 2014 was the target data breach. And about 70 million credit card uh, information were potentially hacked. Um, and it was a big, big deal. 70 million, that's a, a really big number. And that was a hack. It wasn't an inside job. It was actually hackers that got into the target system and they were able to somehow capture people's credit card information. It makes you realize how things progress, you know, how they scale so quickly. I mean, from just sending you spam emails to actually stealing credit card numbers. Right. And, uh, you know, we deal with stolen credit card situations all the time as we help clients resolve identity theft. But we really want to put this into context, guys. The target data breach was a big deal. But I remember thinking, like, why? Why? Like, for example, one of the things that Target did to relieve consumers was they gave away two years of free credit monitoring. Okay. Right. And I just remember thinking there's a big disconnect there because your credit card information was compromised, but not your name, address, social security number, or date of birth. Mm -hmm. So they really can't do anything to your personal identity with a with your credit card info. All they can do is buy goods or services with that card, you know. But you're technically protected under identity theft protections, 
that are afforded to you by the government and by pretty much every single major credit card issuer. So technically, if somebody got a hold of your uh, debit card or credit card through the target data breach, they use it to buy something fraudulent on the internet or somewhere out of the country, uh, you're probably not going to pay for those charges. It's just going to be a hassle dealing with it. But that's going to be the end. And if you cancel your credit card and get a new one issued with new numbers, you're pretty much scotch-free. Yes. It, it just... I can't remember when those protections actually took place. I remember way before that, 2014. Before? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so really, you know what? What the, I think that the damage with that was done was if your information was hacked, somebody bought stuff under your name, but that was it. There's really no reason to that monitor credit, credit monitoring would would affect. Um, and I just remember thinking, wow, there's a big disconnect that there, but nobody, um, nobody, you know, wasn't really talked about. Then subsequently after that, the big Home Depot data breach happened. And that was the same thing. Uh, 56 million credit cards were were compromised in that data breach. But again, nobody's personal information was compromised. Wasn't it around the same time, 2014? Wasn't that also the Yahoo data breach? That was the that was in 2014. And that one was a big number, 500 million. Um, and again, that's a lot of emails uh, or a lot of people potentially affected. But Yahoo doesn't know your social security number. Um, so technically, that is a big missing component. They might know your date of birth, they might know your name, but they shouldn't know your address and they shouldn't know your your social security number. That's correct. When we're when we're talking about data breaches, guys, we call I call it the holy grail of personal information: your mm -hmm. name, your address, your social security number, and your date of birth. There you go. Um, technically, we can limit that down to your name, social security number, and date of birth. That's the holy trinity of credit information. With that information, somebody could potentially take over your identity and just wreak havoc. They can become you. They can get credit cards under your name. They can get tickets under your name. They can go seek medical services under your name. They can pretty much that, do uh, file for employment. File for unemployment in different states. Mm -hmm. Like I mean, it, it, with that information, they can really wreak havoc. But without that information, there's not much they can do if they just have your name or your debit card info. You can essentially kill it. If your credit card info, if your credit card gets leaked, what do you do? I mean, I call the creditor, the credit issuer, cancel the card, tell them there's a someone stole my identity, and then they'll reissue me a new one. But if your social security number gets leaked, can you call the social security office <laughs> and get a new social? No, you cannot. And um, and that's the big difference. And and that's really in in surviving the data breach world, guys. You want to understand, okay, so what information was compromised? If my name was compromised, my email address, fine. You know, but if your name, social, and date of birth were compromised, you're in trouble. There's a there's a higher level of severity when they steal your social security. When they steal your social security, guys, that's it. If the the information's out there, that's it. It's out there, and you're gonna have to protect yourself for the rest of your life. And this show is gonna be teaching you guys or explaining to you guys how you can do that. Absolutely, guys. And and so just looking at this giant list of data breaches, you know you. You're able, we're able to see these are all documented data breaches. These are all people who technically we've entrusted with our financial information, our personal information. Mm -hmm. And somehow or another, it either gets hacked or it gets leaked. It's an inside job. You know, they have sometimes it's accidentally published. Um, so <laughs> it's a stolen laptop, stolen computer. Mm -hmm. it, there's just a ton of ways that this information could be leaked. Gone are the days where you had to shred your info because you know people would dig through the trash and put together 
uh, shredded documents to come up with your identity, right? Like, the, but back in the day, they would say, "Buy a shredder, shred all your stuff." You know, I remember those days, and, and oh that my is gosh, that bro. is the least of your worries right now. Uh, you know, no no person is gonna rummage through your trash and find your financial documents. Technically, it could happen, but that is the least on the very bottom of the worries. You know, if you were on the Equifax data breach, if you were in any of these data breaches through Anthem Blue Shield, there was an IRS data breach, the Verizon data breach, T-Mobile, like every major corporation has been involved in some type of data breach. Up until recently, Uber, that's the latest data breach, they also had a data breach and it, it caused kind of a big uproar, but you gotta look at the facts. What information was compromised in the Uber data breach? Credit card information? Credit name. card information, name and some dr uh, driver's licenses. Mm -hmm. But even then, that's not enough to really wreak havoc under someone's uh, identity. So guys, it, that's a very important context to understand is if you have been notified in the mail, if you remember being part of the Target data breach, Home Depot data breach, or any data breach that you remember getting a notification about, um, understand what information was compromised. Up until the Equifax data breach, most people were safe. You know, up until the Equifax data breach, most people were unaware that things were, were really technically unaffected. The, once Equifax happened, well, it's a game changer. Once Equifax was that was breached, that's it. I mean, as you said, the Holy Trinity, your name, your address, and your social security were, were breached, but your addresses, previous addresses, previous employments, they pretty much have enough information to be you, to clone you and go wherever they wanted to and do whatever they wanted with your information. Um, it, it's really bad. And nowadays, you know, we, we have things like the dark web, which I still am 100% unsure of what it is, but you keep hearing all the credit bureaus talking about it, protect yourself from the dark web. Um, and it's, it, your information's out there. So Equifax really was the worst of all the breaches. And now you have to take measures to protect yourself. The Equifax numbers, um, it's like 143 million or 150 million, 147 million. Like regardless, it's an, an astonishing amount of numbers when you consider that there's only about 200 million credit files. So if 140 or 150 of those were breached, what is that, like a 70% chance? Well, 150 would be 75%. 75% chance that your information was there. Um, and if that's the case, then it's just, there's nothing you can do about it. Like we said, you can't change your social security number. No, you cannot. So you're just gonna have to live with the fact that your information is out there and they, they may not be using it right now, but at some point potentially in the future, it could fall in the wrong hands and then they could use it. But you know, guys, and don't get me wrong. I mean, it's bad. Having your information out there is bad, but we don't want to just scare you with this show. We want you to protect yourselves and we want to arm you with the knowledge so that you can protect yourselves or react if something like this happens to you. And so in today's show, we're going to talk about what steps you need to take to survive in this data breach world. Absolutely. So, you know, now that you understand, okay, so let's look at the facts and let's look at the data that was actually breached. You know, if, if you're, if you've been notified, but it was a data breach where your social and date of birth weren't leaked, then you're safe there. But the Equifax data breach, most people actually fall under that. Most people were notified that they were a victim and hopefully they took steps to protect it. Equifax did give away uh, free credit monitoring. Um, there was a lot of hoopla as to whether people should take it or not, you know, and, and so, you know, we've been talking about credit monitoring 
and we've mentioned it almost every episode that there's it's free now. Basically, you can have Credit Karma and monitor your credit through Aquifax and TransUnion for free, and then you can get the Experian app and monitor experience uh, database for free as well. So you really don't have to pay for credit monitoring. Um, but and what is the intention of credit monitoring? Credit monitoring is both to inform you of where your credit stands and to basically notify you if there's any suspicious activity. I mean, it's exactly what, what it sounds like. You're monitoring your credit. Yeah. When, a, when, a, when an identity theft crook, when they, when they have your name, address, social, and date of birth, they might ch switch out the address. So mm -hmm. it's just name, social, and date of birth. What the first thing they're going to do is try to get credit under your name. Mm -hmm. Maybe open up a credit card, maybe open up a cell phone, uh, something, right, mm -hmm. to benefit them, to uh, uh, enrich themselves. That's going to be notified immediately on the inquiry. Yes. So Credit Karma will immediately notify you um, that there's an inquiry on your credit report. And that's when you can take action. And that's when you should take action is before it actually hits the report. And I think the point that I'm trying to drive home there is that you can't prevent identity theft. It is completely a reactive thing. Yes. You can't be proactive about it. It's going to happen. Um, so being able to catch it before it hits the report is the probably the best thing that you can do. You can take measures to try to lessen it, but he's, he's right. Uh, a crook, an identity theft crook, He's going to do it regardless. He's going to find a way. I mean, if they're able to breach Equifax, they're going to find a way to use your information. Yeah. I, you know, I think that one, the, the one thing that I've noticed is that the, the, the hackers are like undefeated. Like no. They will always find a way. Um, at some point, they will solve whatever it is that they need to solve. I remember when they, they switched out the credit cards and put the, the chip in them. Oh, and I was just yeah. like, it's only going to be a matter of time before they figure that out. And then now they're going to be able to to hack this chip. And and so I just think that it's always going to happen. And it doesn't have to be such a sophisticated way. Like, so we're concerned about Equifax and we're concerned about, all you know, big corporations having our info, but it can happen locally. In fact, how we see it, 90% of the time that I've dealt with an identity theft case, it's been a close family member, yes. or someone within the household, someone that's had access to the information that's actually done the most damage over you know your information being breached by a big corporation it's sad to hear but the dirty little secret is most of the time it is someone you know yeah and, and it's unfortunate and it's sad but you just have to live with the reality and protect yourself don't leave your information lying around for friends or guests to come over and just easily grab it or you know look at it and memorize it and sometimes it's a cousin mm -hmm. uh, niece nephew um, grandson, granddaughter, mm. um, you know, you just kind of never know. But the first line of defense is to be watching your credit report. Because again, if you get a notification that AT&T Wireless looked at your credit report and it wasn't you, you're going to immediately call AT&T and say, why did you look at my credit report? They're going to say, well, you wanted cell phones and that you stop it right there before the line gets issued, before the damage is done, before they send it to collections, before it ends up on the report. And that could happen not just with a cell phone, but credit cards and, you know, anything that's credit related. And even if it does get through, that doesn't mean you shouldn't call them either. Even if they do manage to get the cell phones, call them as soon as you find out about it. Let them know it wasn't you. Have them cancel it. File fraud. Do whatever you need to do. But monitoring is going to allow you to do so as soon as you figure it out. What it does is it allows you to fix it before it becomes a problem on the credit report. Mm -hmm. You know, because most of the time when people actually find out, 
is when it's already in collections on their credit report. There you go. And so that the, the point of solving it on the front end is it doesn't get there. But it, it's not foolproof, no. you know, uh, because not everybody checks credit reports before issuing credit. A good example would be like payday loans. Ah. They don't check a credit report before issuing the loan or go into the emergency room. They're not going to check your credit report before rendering medical services. But then if you don't pay it, then they're going to send that to collections and they use your social. So it ends up on your report. Half the time, they don't even check your licenses. That's what it seems like. So, you know, it's not foolproof, but it's definitely the first line of defense. Um, a lot of people, um, when this Equifax data breach happened, decided that to or it wasn't, you know, a prominent thing that was put out by the media was freeze your credit or lock your credit. So I kind of want to talk to you to everybody about that real briefly. Now, there's a few different levels in securing your credit report. The first one is a fraud alert. What do you think about a fraud alert? I mean, I think it's okay. I think it's a peace of mind. But essentially, a fraud alert is when you notify the credit bureaus that there could possibly have been, uh, you know, fraud in your report, and you want a note on your credit report that basically states you may have been a victim. So if someone attempts to obtain credit using your information these creditors are supposed to look at it and they're supposed to give you a call with the information listed to make sure that it's really you. Um, it's good in theory. Not every creditor follows it, you know, and then and even sometimes it's an inside job. Yes, exactly. So they're not going to follow it because, you know, it's an inside job where you the person that is verifying the identity is also in on the fraud. So they're, they're just going to go through with it without actually going through it. That The initial fraud alert is a 90-day alert that mm -hmm. is placed, but then it disappears. There's an extended fraud alert that stays on for seven years for people who have actually been victims. So you if you go. just place an initial fraud alert 90 days later, it's over. It's not even on the report. Uh, so then you go through the extended fraud alert, and that would be on there for seven years. And that is free for everybody who has potentially been a victim of identity theft. Which um, is 75% of the adult American population. You know, and if you're not, a, if you weren't in that data breach, you'll be in a future one, guaranteed. It's going to happen again. Oh, chances are you've already been in one. We've already mentioned several of the data breaches now. You've probably been in one of those. Yeah, absolutely. Um, hopefully you weren't in the Ashley Madison data breach, but even <laughs> that data breach, which made national headlines. Um, you know who you are. <laughs> hopefully your social security number was not attached to it, um, which I, I would be surprised if it was. They shouldn't know your social security number. They should know your name, potentially your date of birth, email, uh, but hopefully they didn't know your social. And again, without that social, there's not much they can do. Um, so, but... In, in, and then to raise the level of protection uh, above and beyond a fraud alert, you have a security, security freeze. freeze. Um, what do you think about security freezes? I think they're a little more thorough. Um, essentially, it, it's someone contacting the credit bureaus to have their credit just frozen. No one can obtain credit at all using your information. At least they're not supposed to be able to. Again, it's still up to the creditor to decide if they're going to extend credit to you or not. Um, but it, it is a little more thorough now. Well, really, technically speaking, it prevents new creditors from looking at your report, mm -hmm. which is very powerful. If a crook is trying to use your identity to go open up a credit card, that credit card issuer is not going to be able to pull credit. And if they're unable to pull credit, they're unlikely to issue the credit. Ex but that's the key word. Unlikely. They it still happens occasionally where they'll they'll extend credit to you 
and that's the whole you know that's the whole point identity theft cannot be prevented mm -hmm. you know it is a reactive thing and you can take proactive steps to try to minimize your chances but at the end of the day it is impossible to prevent and so a credit freeze can be kind of cumbersome right very cumbersome uh, one of my clients recently we you know we did a credit freeze for him a few months ago he was an actual victim of identity theft um, and now that he's his credit has been repaired and he's attempting to do a major purchase such as purchasing a home now we're having it, or we were we, we've gotten it resolved but we're having issues getting the credit freeze removed from Experian because Experian what will happen is they'll issue you a pin number through mail and you're supposed to use that pin number anytime you call Experian for any transactions to remove the freeze or uh, you know or if you want to add it back on and if you didn't get that letter or you've lost that pin pin number it's over you uh, know they're, they're gonna, gonna be difficult well you're, they're gonna give you you know opportunities like if you call in then maybe they'll ask you some security questions based on your credit but if you've really been a victim of fraud some of the information <laughs> that they have is not going to be information that you're privy to so you're going to answer those questions wrong and again they're going to say sorry we can't do anything about it yeah that would be a tough situation to get over um and it's it actually is it can be quite common to victims of identity theft to be under that type of uh scenario so but the the cumbersome part is if you technically want to use your credit oh you have to unfreeze your credit mm -hmm. then go apply for the loan and then you know make sure that your credit gets refrozen again uh, but it also costs money if you're if it's technically in the state of california ten dollars per bureau um equifax is doing free freezes because of this nightmare that they got themselves into um but it would be basically 10 bucks every time you freeze and unfreeze your report um, so that could add up, uh, but it would be technically free under state of California laws if you are a victim of identity theft. And that's, that's a pretty common scenario probably across all the states. So if you've been a victim, your credit freezes are free for life. But it is cumbersome, you know, and, and the credit bureaus have developed a product that's similar to a credit freeze, but they're calling it a credit lock. And what they're doing is they're embracing, you know, it's 2018, they're embracing smartphone technology where you can technically lock and unlock your report from an app on your device, but that also costs money and that is not free to identity theft victims. Nope. That is gonna be a service that you pay a premium to every month to have that kind of access to unlock and lock your report by the touch of a button on your smartphone, which is basically a credit freeze, but 2018 status, you know, new, new technology, uh, but that's not free and they don't have to give that for free under state laws. It's a I mean, I just I see them as a, like, wow, that, that's how they're monetizing this loss of, or they're monetizing the fact that they couldn't secure your information. And that's pretty interesting, but they're getting away with it. I mean, that's what happens when you live in a capitalist society, I guess, right? I guess You're so. You're going to monetize whatever you can. So, so that's... They should trademark the credit lock, like LifeLock trademark itself. I think so. I've seen Experian actually running a bunch of TV advertisements, um, and they're calling themselves the new face of identity, the new, the new face of identity theft protection. You see commercials? Um, yeah, I watch TV. <laughs> and so, but I just think that's interesting that Experian is kind of making that play to, it's almost like a power play to to position themselves like kind of like a LifeLock, because um, LifeLock technically is very well known for protecting identity. Um, 
But really, guys, you don't need LifeLock. A lot of people have LifeLock. You don't need it. LifeLock is not doing anything different than what Credit Karma does for free and what Experian does for free. They tend to have a million dollar guaranteed, which I've never seen them pay out. Um, and they say that they help you restore your identity, but they don't do anything for you. We've had a ton of clients that have had LifeLock and LifeLock didn't do anything to help them restore their identity. What they All that they did was get all the phone numbers of all the companies that potentially issued fraudulent credit and call the companies with the client on the phone, like almost like a liaison or, you know, it was just, it's very misleading when they say that they'll fix it because you think they'll fix it for me. I don't have to do anything, but technically you have to do everything. They're just with you on the line. Um, so like a guide holding your hand, basically not even, not even, not even because you're doing all the work, Ah, you know, yeah. you're, you're kind of doing all the work. Um, so I would not recommend that you spend money on a ID monitoring system like LifeLock. You know, just my personal opinion. I, like I said, you can get it done for free at the bureaus. Well, again, uh, credit monitoring is free. Credit Karma, Experian.com, Credit Sesame, all, all these all these uh, monitoring sites out there, they're free. When you understand that the point that all they got to do, uh, all it's doing is just looking at your credit report. And they're not preventing it. They're just letting you know, hey, it's possibly happening. And then you got to take action to to stop it. That's that's really like the dynamic at play, you know. Um, and so I've seen and we've had a ton of clients that they have their files frozen. They have their credit monitoring going on and they still get identity theft. Why? Because there's different kinds of identity theft. You know, we've really only focused on if your personal information gets breached then people can wreak havoc on your identity. But there's other kinds of identity theft, like if you lose your wallet and someone picks up your debit ah, card and yeah. uses it, or your debit card info gets breached and then they use it, that's technically a form of identity theft, but it can be solved without any long-term damage. Or for all you old schoolers who still carry around the social securities in your wallets, you know, if you lose your wallet, they'll pick up your social security card and voila, they have your license, now they got everything. Name, address, date of birth, social security number, plus the debit and credit card numbers. Yeah, you de definitely don't want to carry your social in your wallet. That is a big no-no. Um, but again, it's like shredding your info because you think someone's going to go through your trash to find your social. It's like, it's it's a very unlikely to happen. In it's a data impractical. Breach, in a data breach world. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so, but there's identity theft that's not related to credit. And it's honestly something that we don't really see a whole lot, but I think it's because we're not in that practice. Like, for example, um, when someone, a common one is someone works under your identity and then you get a, a letter from the IRS saying you have unreported income, you've been working here, you need to pay taxes on that income, but you actually didn't work there. So you're they're working under your identity and that could be isolated where it's just work, not credit. When I have seen it, the few times I've seen it, most of them has really been just random dumb luck. This person just managed to guess your social security number to create a, a, a number to work with and started working using that number and you were the unfortunate victim. Yeah, but the IRS has a pretty efficient system where they you know, give you a, a PIN number and then you every time you file your taxes, you file it with this PIN number and then they know you know that that is that, 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 is, that, that is the right return to process because sometimes they filed they like get ahead of you and they file taxes before you do and claim your refund, mm -hmm. you know, and then there's that kind of fraud. So that is completely separate than credit fraud. That's technically IRS fraud. Um, 
you know what? I need to study that a little more. Uh, now I'm curious as to what happens when you do have the PIN number and you do file it. What happens to the other person who's filing? Still using your it information? Gets, well, I would assume it gets rejected. That the, that return doesn't get processed. Um, but that is a good question. Again, I don't think we see it as much because we're not tax preparers. We're not in that practice. Um, so... That's well, kind of my uh, my take on that. But even above and beyond that, people can get tickets under your name. They can uh, they don't need your social to get a parking ticket under your name um, or to get pulled over and give your identity. We, we've seen that kind of situation where now you have DMV issues on your credit report. Warrants for your arrest for someone who's just named similarly. They don't even have your social. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of that where it can create uh, problems within the courts. And, and there's, you know, there's identities being misappropriated within the courts that technically have nothing to do with the credit report, but it's still a form of identity theft. One of the rarest ones I've seen just happened a few months ago where a creditor, not no, not a creditor, a collector sued an individual, um, but using somebody else's social security number because they didn't do their due diligence in finding out if the person they sued's information was accurate. So, I, so, you know, our client uh, had a lawsuit on his credit report and never even met uh, the collector, never even met the creditor, was never even in that county. And, and again, you know, there's, there's, that, those, there's like different levels of identity theft, different ways that it could happen. The most common one is credit. I think that's the re one of the major reasons why crooks would want to steal someone's credit or identity is so that they can obtain credit and obviously not pay it back. Um, cause that's the way for them to unjustly enrich themselves. But for the most part, the last one that I want to talk about is what I've heard, um, people talk about is medical identity theft. So essentially someone is out obtaining medical treatment using your identity and somehow the medical records can get switched up and that could have really serious consequences if there's different blood types, different allergies, you know, allergic to different medication. That's a really rare one, but technically it can happen where medical records, um, like someone is, the, the they're using your identity and they get treatment and that goes into your medical file. I don't know a whole lot about that, but I, I technically have read about it and it's just something I wanna throw out there to add to this whole, there's all these different types of identity thefts. It's important that you understand that they're out there. Um, but really, in a data breach world, what they're looking for is for that holy trinity of information. You know, name, ad, name, date of birth, social security number. With that info, the whole world opens up to them. They can do any of these frauds, whether it's credit fraud, IRS fraud, DMV fraud, medical fraud. That is why the Equifax data breach is such serious business. Um, for those of you who just want practical advice, who've been listening to this show and hearing everything we've been saying, you know, it's it's true. There's no way to prevent uh, identity theft, but there are practical ways that you can protect yourself. And some of these are common knowledge now. You know, we've we've been around for a long time in the technology age. Obviously, don't carry around your social and your wallets. You know, uh, if you get on the computer a lot, you know, have spyware, malware, antivirus, whatever. Um, don't leave your information in there. Don't don't keep it stored. Same thing. 
um, you know, if you if you go and use somebody else's computer, don't put your personal information on there. You don't know if they if they're protected or not. You know, just simple things like that. Just do the basics. Protect yourself. Have credit monitoring. Obviously, you don't want people, you know, opening up credit under your name and you have no idea that it's going on. Um, Absolutely. Just just that that sort of stuff. You know, just do the basics and protect yourself. And again, the, the the point of today's show is to convey to you guys that data breaches will continue to happen. Data breaches have been happening and your information is simply not safe. So you have to understand the system in order to make it work for you. You know, you can do a security freeze. You can do a fraud alert, extended fraud alert. You can pay for the neat uh, security lock products. But at the end of the day, you cannot prevent identity theft. If it's if they're going to target you, there's ways that they can do it bypassing all the security measures that you could have in place. So understanding the fact that if you just look at your credit and you keep a close eye on it, whether it's every week or even every month, um, it is the best way that you can stop identity theft from affecting you and affecting your credit score. So you stop it at its at its beginning, at, at its inception when it first starts. And if you have been the victim of identity theft and you really do want to hire someone to assist you, don't go to LifeLock. Calling someone Moreno, Richard yeah. David, shameless plug of the day. We'll we'll guide you, or if you really need help, we'll be able to tell you how to help you, you know, how to fix it properly. You know, guys, when we started helping people improve their credit scores, we started because we were de- ex debt collectors and we had that knowledge. And by accident, almost by you know, people came to us. They had credit issues as a result of identity theft, and we just developed this practice and almost this expertise. I want to say in resolving identity theft cases. So we can help you navigate that situation. We can t- tell you exactly step-by-step step what your rights are, what to do. So if you know anybody or you yourself are a victim of identity theft and you're just having a hard time controlling it, meaning that you keep getting new inquiries, you can't get the creditors to undo the charges, people are going after you for fraudulent charges that you didn't incur, we can help navigate that. Especially if they're trying to sue you. Absolutely. Or even if they've already sued you, we can help with that. So. Um, understanding identity theft, understanding data breach uh, in 2018, that was the, the theme of today's show. Hopefully, we were able to inspire you guys and inform you guys as to, all right, this is the reality. This is what it takes to survive data breaches in 2018. And we have an extra credit task of the week for you guys. The extra credit task is if you don't have credit monitoring, get it. That's going to be the best way for you to monitor if you're being the victim of identity theft or if someone's, you know, doing stuff with your credit. It is not enough to just monitor two bureaus. If you're just using Credit Karma, it is not enough. No. You have to have the third bureau on there. All three. Um, and so if you're using Credit Karma, check out the Experian app. Experian is, is has their own app and it's free. That's the beautiful thing about it is it's free. So just search in your store, Apple Store, Google Play Store, the Experian app. And it's going to be the first one that pops up. And then that's the one. So, guys, that is it for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. I am Anselmo Moreno. I'm Richard David. We'll see you guys next time.